Welcome to the On-Premise IT Podcast, the only podcast that dares to be both on-premise or on-topic, and yes, today, on-premises, on-location. We are actually in California for Storage Field Day this week, and I thought I would bring along a few data folks to jump into the conversation, and that's going to be the conversation, the premise of today, that data and storage are two very, very different things. But before we start, let's meet who's on the podcast today. Hi, I'm Glenn Deckhazer. I am a global principal at Equinix, the data center company. Um, you can find me at LinkedIn, uh, not even at G Deckhazer at LinkedIn, but at LinkedIn, uh, and on my blog, on the Equinix blog, uh, blog.equinix.com. Hi everyone, my name is Jim Zaprinsky. I'm the chief storyteller at Zero Defect Computing. And uh, I'm also an Oracle DBA, have been that for about 20 years. Uh, also co-host of the Beyond Tech Skills podcast. You can find me on Mastodon, thank you, Stephen, at jimthewhyguy at techfieldday.net. Hi there, I'm Denny Cherry, a principal consultant for Denny Cherry Associates Consulting. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Denny or on Mastodon at Mr. Denny at... I don't even remember what server I'm on right now. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. How's that? Yeah. Search for Mr. Denny. I'm the only one. He's probably the only one. <laughs> and as for me, I'm Stephen Foskett. You can find me on the socials at S. Foskett on uh, uh, the Twitters as well as the Mastodons at S. Foskett at techfieldday.net. And, of course, you can find me hosting the Utilizing Tech podcast as well as, most of the weeks, the uh, Gestalt IT Rundown News Show on Wednesdays. So... As an old school storage nerd, I love Storage Field Day, but the truth is that storage ain't what it used to be. And there's a longstanding battle, I think, a battle of wits, a battle of skills to see who is dead uh, between uh, storage <laughs> nerds and data nerds. And that's why it's fun to have these folks here joining us, because the truth is we've all known for a long time that storage and data are very different things. But but yet storage and data look awful similar. And frankly, the way that storage is going, it looks a lot more similar. And actually the yeah. way the databases are going, data right. is going as well. They, they, the two things seem to be on a collision course. Is this true? I mean, what's your sense? Danny, I want to start with you because I think that you've sat in both chairs here. What do you think of this dichotomy between storage and data? They, storage and data definitely go together. Um, if we didn't have a absolute ton of storage, we wouldn't have be able to store absolutely massive amounts of data, especially which we do in, in modern days. Um, most people in IT don't really understand the separation between the two and how they are need to be done differently. Um, when I've talked to a lot of storage folks and even sysadmins that don't deal with databases specifically, they think that a database is basically just a giant file that's sitting on the, the hard drive, and they don't understand that there's a lot more that goes into an actual database than just stuff sitting on a hard drive and getting accessed and, and pulled out. Yeah, there's also the whining and incessant moaning of the DBAs. <laughs> there is, and we do like to say no a lot. Um, and I've, I've been a DBA for, by trade for 20-something years, about the, yeah. same, about the same as you, Jim. Um, and... The number of, of sysadmins that go, yeah, well, well like why, you know, why do we have this massive thing just sitting on my SAN? Well, 
yes, I'm taking up 80% of, of the sand. Sorry, we like to make money at the company, um, especially back in the yeah. olden days when I actually like worked at real companies and not my own company. Um, we just, we, I was the consumer of the majority of the storage for a reason. Um, all the data was stored in a database because we needed to be able to get to it quickly and easily, and, and right. relational databases are how you do that. Right. And to tag on to that, you know, it's also crucial to understand that that picture's evolving. Mm -hmm. uh, I just got back uh, the prior week from a conference uh, for analytics and uh, uh, data organization, right. actually just down the street from here, and everything is shifting towards JSON, JavaScript object notation, right? Uh, I'm looking at the latest release of the Oracle database that's coming out shortly, 23C, and they actually have something called the JSON duality view, which is gonna let you access data, whether it's in tabular format, strict relational format, or in JSON format, just as if you were accessing it through any other type of JSON methodology, mm -hmm. right, or, or uh, client. So what you're starting to see is that from uh, developer standpoints, everything is JSON. Whether it's buried inside an RDBMS, it can be represented as that. And if it's not, so what? You still access it as JSON. And guess what? That takes up an incredible amount of storage, yep. right? Uh uh, uh, so interestingly enough, you know, you, the reason that Oracle is doing that is, is, is not because, um, you know, well, it's not storage related, but you have other kind of born as JSON databases, right? Exactly. Yeah. Those, right? The, the yep. document databases, yep. right? So, but what's, what's interesting in regards to storage versus these types of data formats is that uh, it's really that a lot of these database companies uh, were created to leverage non-SAN environments, right? So you right. guys, in the relational database world, right, you're looking at big SANs, and we were talking about, you know, big EMC symmetrics, uh, you know, like, you know, the big, you know, the big Oracle databases, the Exadatas, right, right. the large SQL server right. databases, and they were monolithic and relational. And these, da these new database types have been created to, uh, to meet new business needs uh, that, sure. that those databases simply couldn't do. They couldn't scale, um, and, you know, they couldn't replicate. And, and so you've got a whole lot of new technologies in the database world that, were built like sharding, for instance, mm -hmm. that were That's really just built right. to accommodate uh, JBODs in in commodity servers that would typically be in the cloud, right? Because they're not your servers. <laughs> right. So, right. So, so the days of having store the monolithic big storage to serve the monolithic big relational databases are older. So, so the way data now has, is being demanded is changed. The way storage underneath it is right. being consumed, and because of that, you know, now you're seeing you know highly distributed uh, data. Um, uh, you know, you know, edge to quarter cloud type of things where data yeah. has to be replicated and pieces of it everywhere. Right, right. From AI training to inference and all these different things. It's a different world than it was, you know, 15 years ago, but we still do have the SAPs and the Oracle mm -hmm. financials that require yeah. the monolith databases. So you still have some need for this SAN stuff, but that is much, much lower. So this, this new paradigm of databases, whether they're graph databases or mm -hmm. they're document databases that have all built-in replication uh, you know, consistency, eventual consistency, or immediate. Um, all of this is is now being built and changing the way storage is even consumed. And they are making the big storage companies. Mm. I don't want to say obsolete, but they're 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 changing the storage world from right. outside. And so you've got a lot of even even software defined storage isn't necessarily required to serve some of these needs. Yes. Yeah. 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 Excellent Absolutely. points. Yeah. yeah.
Yeah, and we haven't even talked about the elephant in the room, which is backup and recovery, right? Because things fail. Uh, what was that uh, little failure we had that shut down most of the uh, air traffic control system in the United States because somebody yep. thought of, to your point, uh, well, it's just a big file. Yep. Uh, no, yep. and when it's corrupt and so is the backup, you're going to find out it's not just a big file. It's yeah. a problem. So, yeah, the, the, like you said, the paradigm, can we use that word, paradigm? The paradigm has shifted a yeah, little but, bit. And, but, well, I want to I kind of point out the obvious, and this is going to be something maybe is going to be strange to hear from somebody who's a, a storage nerd like me, but the truth is that it's actually a uh, continuum all the way from storage through essentially uh, big data and data warehouses. Mm. I mean, the way that storage works is fundamentally the same way that a database works. Mm. The, the way a storage system works, a storage array works, is fundament fundamentally the same way as that a DBMS works. Mm. It's mm. just, it's, it's, it's the difference between storage and data is, is how it's used more than what it is. So if you think about a, um, you know, a modern SSD, for example, is essentially a database mm. Mm. of locations on a chip. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's basically yeah. a, 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 yeah. There's, a SSD. There's a table that says this is here, this is here. It's a physical here. database. An SSD yeah. is basically a, a tiny storage array. Hmm. And a storage array is basically a database system. A D, a, you know, and, and it's crazy. You know, if you look at, so that's block storage. If you look at file system, a file system is just a database. Mm -hmm. yep. If you look at object storage, object storage is really yeah. just a database. Mm -hmm. If you look at, on the data side, what's going on? Um, you know, there's so much interest in um, in storage engines right now, and better storage engines, especially for you know MySQL, for example. Well, guess what? A storage engine is a database, but it's also kind of a file system, in a way. And 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 on and on and on. And you look at data lakes and data warehouses. You look at Oracle. All of this is really, really similar fundamentally. So what is it that makes us draw a line? I have to, my contention is that it's, it's how it's used and who's using it more than what it is. Well, ironically, you know, you take a look at that line. In some cases, that line's getting, getting a little faded. Blurry. It's getting faded because you look at like what Vast Data has done in the latest uh, you know, <laughs> object-oriented um, stuff. They're able to, to add a lot of metadata now to that data, mm -hmm. or to the data that's on the unstructured data, and give that data some meaning and make it searchable. Well, that sounds a lot more like a document database now, doesn't it? So, um, so yeah, will the storage just become the database at that point, right? So will the storage represent the data as opposed to simply serve it up? Well, it's the same with cloud storage. I mean, Amazon S3 is a database. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When, and on top of that, think about like data classification that a lot of storage systems are able to do now. Yeah. That's very database-like. So mm -hmm. then we go, okay, this person only has access to non-confidential or, or confidential but not highly confidential information. So the array or the storage system needs to know what this kind of stuff is and what they are allowed to see. Right. And that's right. very database-like. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that the database applications, you know, they take the data that's sitting on that storage, you know, that's, that's within its structure, and they're, prevent, and they're presenting information, actionable inf information for a business person to do something with, right? Mm -hmm. so I don't think storage will ever do that, right? I think that that's what the databases are there for, to be programmed by DBAs who will then get, you know, extract informa actionable information 
out of that data to go and do something with it, right? So I think that's where, if there's gonna be a line, I think that's the line, is where, is, where does data get transformed into actionable information? Infor yeah. That right. is what right. the difference, the real difference between where, you know, data versus you know, just a storage platform, I think. Yeah, that's, so that's what I've been saying for, <laughs> for years now is, so storage is great, we have, we have to store everything, because especially now in the modern world of, lo of lawyers, Everything's got to get stored, but it's the information that's actually valuable to to the business, and that's what we're you know in the end being we're trying to do is sell widgets, um, and so having information from that data is the important piece, and that's like you said really what defines the line as to where things are really important is is where we can get that information from, and where we're dealing with just keeping keeping that data safe. I I, I think I hear a new career, Denny Cherry. Storage lawyer. I think I, <laughs> God <laughs> help me. <laughs> uh, but it would be pretty cool, like you know, Harvey Birdman. You know. But anyway, well, most of the lawyers I know would, would would counsel to get rid of as much data as you possibly can. I think most people are, just, are storing everything because they're afraid of missing out on a business yep, opportunity from too. being able Absolutely. to use that data. Right. Absolutely. Uh, the lawyers really don't want you to keep the data. They, they don't want you to delete it like, right, as right. soon as possible, as soon as your policy allows. Right. Well, I I spent um, a couple of years uh, as an advisor, a consultant to general counsel. Mm. And let me tell you, absolutely, Glenn, the first thing, uh, so I worked with public companies and I worked with the general counsel for the public company. The first thing they said to me, I would sit down and I would say, I'm here to help you understand the technical limitations and capabilities <laughs> of storage and data solutions. And their first thing was delete it, delete <laughs> it. Okay, we don't need this stuff. Delete it, delete it, delete it. And then once I explained to them how challenging it is to actually delete data, and, and so for example, emails. Mm -hmm. uh, once I explained to them, okay, we can delete the email here, but it went somewhere. The recipient still has a copy of it. And if there's a legal, uh, you know, a, a court case, yeah. it's, it, 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 do you want to have a copy of that too? Or do you want to wait until discovery right, right. to hopefully get a copy of that? And they're like, oh. And then very quickly, the answer was save it, save mm. it, save it, save it. <laughs> never delete anything, right. make it searchable. And it's funny because, um, uh, the truth is, I, I think that that most people, once they realize the capabilities of storage systems, are just going to save everything forever, always. And, and it's whether it's legal people, um, you mentioned AI, machine learning. Mm -hmm. A lot of those people don't want to delete data, even data that has already been processed, because they think that maybe they can use it in the next run, the next mm -hmm. iteration, New the next model. Yeah. Um, it's the yeah. same with with uh, companies, with retail, with geophysical data, et cetera. I mean, there's 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 gold in that data, they're gonna to wanna to save it. Yeah. But yeah. I wanna get back to the point that I was making though about the difference between storage and data because one of the things I've noticed is that, well, we as humans have trouble learning lessons from other humans. You know, we, ha we don't learn from history and we certainly don't learn from other people's mistakes. One thing I see happening a lot is storage companies trying to get into data. They wanna pivot and become a data company. Mm -hmm. And so they offer analytics, um, metadata, uh, searchability, legal retention, hold, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and storage solutions. Similarly, I see a lot of data companies trying to offer storagey things. Jim mentioned backup, data protection, yep. replication, yep. recovery. But the truth is, it, it kind of cracks me up that, that the storage people don't actually know anything about data. And so they're kind of inventing <laughs> this stuff and hoping that they're building something useful. The data people don't know anything about storage, and so they're mm -hmm. kind of yep. making the same mistakes that have happened before. And the cloud people are on another planet and inventing this stuff again yep. because nobody talked to them. 
again, the difference is the people in my mind. Yeah. Um, am I off base? What do you think of this? I think the old saying is where you stand depends on where you sit. Right, so if you're a cloud guy, you're going to develop your stuff, and that, that's your fiefdom, and you're going to de develop your stuff for cloud native. If you're a storage guy, you're going to see the whole world as storage centric, and you should be controlling things. For instance, backup of databases is, is the classic one that I always yeah. use. To, you know, use snapshot based storage, snapshot based database uh, protection and replication, which most DBAs look at that and they go, "Not my database," but. It does work, um, and, and some of the platforms do very well with it, and I've used that stuff very successfully because I've sat in both seats as a DBA and a storage guy. But to your point, SQL Server, for instance, since we've got a SQL expert, and you know, we've got, uh, you've got RMN, you've got the SQL Server backup mm -hmm. tools, which, and those APIs are exposed to the other backup tools that are out there that just do that. So it's, you're always gonna assume that your little Tower has full control of your domain, not just for production, but for backup recovery and all the operations around it. Um, uh, can't we all just get along? Yeah. Exactly. Right? If we all just got together and say, you know, build a racy, I'm responsible for this, you're responsible for this, and keep going, and then everybody can optimize, mm -hmm. but that'll never happen because everyone gets a budget, yep. and those budgets don't cross. So. Yeah. Well, there's, there's also responsibilities so in the corporate yep. world, because, you know, if, if I'm the DBA and Jim's the, the backup person, cool, so he takes all the backups, Everything works great. Who's responsible when, when the restore happens? Yeah. That, is it uh, him because he takes the backup or me because I control the database? Oh, it's you. Definitely. Yeah, and yeah, it, it's going to fall on me and I'm going to be the one that takes the blame right. for it. And my response is going to be, cool, then I'm taking the backups. Exactly. And I don't want his, I don't want his software <laughs> yeah. touching my system. Yeah. Because right. if I'm going to be responsible for the, for the restores and realistically a backup is only good as the restore. Right. Um, right. Then I'm going to kick his stuff out, and I'm going to do take yeah. care of the backups myself. Exactly. Well, you know that one thing they can all agree on. All those groups can agree on when something doesn't work. It's the network because mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the one group that doesn't get talked to at all. Well, yeah, because they're the ones that control DNS. And it's always DNS. Well, you yeah. know, and, and that's the other thing that people don't realize is that not talking about the interconnection between all those things is 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 probably the biggest gap because yeah. they just you know storage guys and DBAs and all and even cloud guys they just assume the network's going to work. And right. Yep. And, exactly. And, oh, they, so, so that's why it's the biggest point exactly. of value. Yeah, our customers that have built products in, in the cloud as a cloud-first application, they assume the network's gonna be functional. I'm like, why are you assuming that's always gonna yeah. be there? Functional, exactly. high performance, and free. Right, yeah. mm -hmm. and it's yeah. none of those things. <laughs> and reliable. Yeah. And reliable. Yeah. And, and I think the interesting thing as a storage admin was, was that I never really knew what my systems were being used for. I had no communication with the application owners, mm -hmm. uh, the developers, anybody really. And it's like a game of telephone, right? So you have the application managers, the application owners, the lines of business that are saying, my application does this thing. And then they talk to the, the, the developers, and then the developers talk to the DBAs, and the DBAs talk to the storage admins, and the storage admins talk to backup. Mm -hmm. And I guess backup talks to operations. And in nowhere in that stack is there anyone connecting the dots. Yeah. that says, what is this thing? What is it used for? Anything. And even companies that have tried to do that, it's challenging. Yeah. It's technically challenging. Yeah. It's yeah. operationally challenging. So my feeling has always been that services, data services, yeah. are best served as close to the application mm -hmm. as possible. Right. Right. Is, is, that a, is that a reasonable assumption? I think assumption? that's a fair assumption. Yeah. I think that's an excellent yeah. assumption, yeah. Well, the, app, the application, the application manager, whoever owns that app, is the one responsible for keeping that thing up and serving, and serving their end users. Yeah, it has to be because they've got to be responsible for it. If they've got to go three levels down or four levels down to some storage guy to restore their data and it's not in their control, they can't give any SLAs to their group.
the company I had the most success at as an actual employee at the company um, was an auto finance company down here in Southern California that I worked at. And when I worked there, the reason we were so successful is because everybody actually talked to each other in IT. We didn't have all the little <laughs> silos. Yeah. And we all sat relatively close to each other. Um, and we actually talked to each other about how things actually needed to function. Mm -hmm. um, and because of that, we were able to do some really cool, really interesting things. I mean, granted, this was in 2005, so there wasn't all that much interesting stuff we could do at the time. Um, but we were able to actually pull stuff off that nobody at the company thought we were going to be able to do from an IT perspective. Yeah, yeah. And now you throw into this the whole aspect of what data scientists, and there's, in my opinion, kind of two classes right now. One is that professional PhD, maybe with two PhDs or a master's in mathematics and complaining about the quality of their data. And then you have this citizen data scientist, right, or junior data scientist who literally doesn't know how to write a SQL statement, much less write an effective SQL mm -hmm. statement. And then the poor storage person is being hammered on by the DBA or by the application manager going, why is it taking so long yep. to get the data, whether it's object, JSON, mm -hmm. right, or file-based or document-based, versus database-based, from them it's just a, a gigantic black box with yeah. black cylinders representing the disk drives, not to be too specific. You know, and, and why is it not performant? And right. that's, that's the challenge, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And having that almost chain of custody of knowing where the problem is, because like we were all just joking, it's the network, it's DNS, <laughs> it's the database, it's We've got to have, you're starting to see that more, I think, in the industry, too, of uh, a realization that monitoring is much more important than it's ever been because we just don't know where the problem is. Well, yeah, you've got people like, hitting, hitting this stuff that don't right. realistically don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and they might be really good at their job, yep. but their job that they're really good at is beating the crap out of everything that yeah. we all maintain. Right. Well, the, right. Funny, the funny thing is, and you'll talk to the business leaders of these companies that are doing this stuff, and they don't want to hear any of this. Nope. This is why they're throwing, a, uh, throwing it over the whole wall to Snowflake, to Databricks, to all these companies that can abstract and do all this stuff without having to worry about any of the things we're talking about. They just want their actionable information. They don't want to deal with people talking about query writing or storage mm -hmm. or IOPS or network or DNS, they don't want to hear it. Right. And so uh, that's the pressure on, on, on all this, and, uh, which, is, which drives a lot of that activity now outside of the organization. And we're seeing the growth, exponential growth of, of those kind of uh, DB as a service, analytics as a service kind mm. of companies. Um, and that's why I, I think they're, I, I'm bullish on all of them. Yeah. And I, I agree with, with, with you, Glenn. To me, I look at it and I see a real parallel between the rise of, of cloud in the enterprise, and I see the rise of data as a service, as a service from a third party or even as an internal service. Because as I said, if, if you take it as a given that uh, data management functions should be as close to the application as possible, mm. then what you need is a complete solution that abstracts everything below that and has real integration below it. Mm -hmm. 
And so I really think that the interesting part, again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a storage nerd, but I think the interesting thing in the industry right now is this data world mm -hmm. where, where we're, yes, we're reinventing the wheel on data protection and replication and things like that and, and storage engines and so on. But, but I, can, I can give that a pass because what's happening is we're seeing the growth of sort of a top-down data system and that makes me very excited because it means we might actually be able to accomplish this. Just like, you know, like I said, you look at cloud storage, um, it is an integrated system with many, many features and functions. Uh, you know, if you're an S3 user, you really, really don't care what Amazon is using as their medium and they won't talk about it, right? <laughs> uh, is Glacier tape? Who knows? Who cares? cares? <laughs> yeah. it, does it do the thing it says on the box? Right, that's all you care and about. And that's right. really all you care about. And I think that that's, you know, kind of pointing the direction in data as well. So, yeah, absolutely. Snowflake, Databricks love what they're doing because they're really embracing the reality of the situation. And I think that IT folks as well are embracing the reality of the situation and building these data services. Yeah. I will say one thing. There is one um, dynamic that's going on right now that um, is with, with compliance governance, with um, especially all of a sudden the, mm. the, 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 the bit of breakdown of the global order, if you want to call it that, where uh, companies are starting to, uh, the executives, C-level executives are starting to say they want more control, they want more custody over their data. Right. Um, physical, right. they want to be able to get to it. They want to be able to see it. They, you know, the machines, they need to be able to get to that stuff. So it, it's in a way, all the stuff we're talking about is was happening naturally as a function of business, but now we've got this other thing coming out that's non-technical in nature that's going to start to take data sets and saying, okay, I may have my data sets in the cloud or, data, or at Snowflake or whatever, but I need to have an actionable copy of that that I can hold and I can audit, I can control, so I don't lose my business leverage, but also that I can, you know, I can, you know, analyze it, do what I need to do, and so that that possession, that physical possession of that data, is starting to become something that we're starting to see as a as a dynamic. That uh, it's surprising it, it, how how it accelerated pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But and, uh, but and but that but the point of that is, all of a sudden now I think perhaps storage might become within within an organizations may may become even more important than maybe if the, if the graph was going down before we're going to see a little bit of an uptick of companies having their own storage whether they own it or lease it or whatever there's going to be a, i think there's going to be some more demand now on that as uh, companies want to own and possess that data again yeah, and we haven't even talked about the fact that a day doesn't go by that there's some other type of ransomware attack mm -hmm. right back to our you know the good wife, good fight, good schema, progression of television shows that I predict is going to happen. But, you know, the, you guys get it. Anyway, the point is that, yeah, th that aspect of, okay, we've been penetrated by ransomware. How bad is it, mm -hmm. right? Because the assumption is either you, you just haven't been hacked yet or you've already been hacked. Right. You just don't know it yet. You just yeah. don't know it yet. And what is the impact of that getting out? That mm -hmm. the fact that I've been penetrated as well as the fact that the data has been taken. Or your service provider's been hacked. Or your yeah. service, exactly, exactly. So yeah. Yeah, yeah we had a customer that had that problem. Um, the, the provider uh, got compromised and uh, they compromised all the VMware hosts. Ooh. And that locked up everything. And those are effectively yeah. Linux and so the files are locked. So they just encrypted all the VMs and. Ouch. All, all bets were off. It took, 
it took them days to, to try and get everything right. back and figure out what to do. Yeah, so that's a whole new ball game. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, tough situation for all of us. But, yeah, so I, I think that just to kind of summarize, though, I, I think that I, I, I am really excited about what's happening mm -hmm. in the data space. I'm really excited about things like data protection and ransomware protection and so on coming uh, that are truly integrated with with database systems, with data warehouse systems, with uh, applications, uh, and 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 it's pretty it's pretty cool to see what's happening in this space. So thank you so much for this conversation. Um, we're running a little long, so I gotta I gotta wrap. Uh, but thank you for for, for this. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about this, you know, please do check out the Tech Field Day website. You can find out more about Field Day. Uh, we can also talk a little bit about. Um, uh, maybe having data field day at some point in the future. Um, also, where can people connect with you all and continue this conversation? Uh, Glenn Dykeser, you can find me on LinkedIn. Best place to get a hold of me. Jim Sprinsky on LinkedIn as well. And check out my uh, blog at jimthewhyguy.com. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn as well, Danny Cherry. Uh, you can also find my blog, uh, which is at uh, my company's website, dcac.com. And as for me, uh, you can find me on most social media networks at S. Foskett and, of course, on the uh, Utilizing Tech uh, on-premise IT and uh, Gestalt IT Rundown podcasts in your favorite podcast application. So thank you very much for joining us for this episode of the On-Premise IT Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by GestaltIT.com, your home for IT news across the enterprise for show notes and more episodes, find them in your favorite podcast application. You'll also find video of these at YouTube slash IT video. And of course, you can hit gestaltit.com slash podcast to learn more. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.